welcome back to another episode of Save the World. Aaron, that was the most melancholy introduction <laughs> you've ever done <laughs> to this show. I'm blanking. I'm blanking. What's my name? It's it's Aaron. Last time I yeah. Said. <laughs> yeah what's, the, what's the other name? Because we have. Oh, because I'm Dismal Day. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've talked about this on the show. Oh, I had something. Is it a word for melancholy? No. Dang this thing. I don't know. But we're back. Ta-da! <laughs> back to save the world. Indeed. The, the two of us. I'll figure that, that intro out. Don't you worry. <laughs> we'll get it figured out someday. I had it. I had it like several times throughout the last three weeks. Like it came to me like twice. And then I thought of it just barely before I tried to say it. And then it was gone again. So. Yeah, oh, it's back. Wait. 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 <laughs> I'm not losing it this time. I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to put it into my notes right now, and then I'm going to read it off my notes. You should try again is what you're saying. Okay. <clears throat> yes, yes. Here we go. Here we go. Now, now it'll work. <clears throat> <clears throat> Welcome. Welcome. To another episode of Save the World with Dismal David and Apathetic Aaron. <laughs> We're here to solve your problems. Kind of. Wow, that is, again, so melancholy. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we, are, yes. we are excited to be here, even though we are Dismal David D- and Apathetic Aaron. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's true, that's true. It's been too long, it's been like three weeks. I've been feeling it, I've been missing it in my life. <laughs> it's been too bad. But we're back, so no worries. Ready to save the world. Indeed, 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 indeed. <laughs> Should we start with follow-up? Just please, let's do it. Alright, so again, this is momentous, because I have the starting follow-up this time. <laughs> A rare occasion in the Save the World repertoire. <laughs> but um, follow-up on all the education stuff we talked about last time. Yeah. Um, obviously, we can't go into all that again because <laughs> we spent <laughs> so much time on it already. Yeah, we definitely, yeah. But yeah. I am happy to report when I did my system where everything's mm. due on test day and the students have these you know, personal checkoff lists that they're doing and they have things that either do on test day or do at the end of the term. I had students, I only had one student that didn't turn in everything on test day. Okay. All the stuff that was due on test day, they didn't turn in. All right. So. Success? <laughs> success with an asterisk next to it because it's <laughs> only one unit, right? Ah, uh, yes, yes. The f- mean, and the first unit to yeah. say the least. That's. Students are still motivated. Yeah. So we'll see how it carries on through the rest yes. of the semester and the year. But so far, so good. Okay, okay. Did did the one student who didn't turn in everything, Did how much did they not? Did they, like, not turn in they didn't, anything? They didn't turn in anything. Oh. So, yeah, and the student hasn't – once they had an F on the grading system, they didn't even come to me. So that's a bad sign. Ah. So. I don't think that's a student you can reach in this way anyways, but yes. so far, so good, I will say. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, okay, I'm still okay. obviously going to help that student, but. <laughs> Clearly, that's, yes, but, you know, 
you can't but the help system someone. is in place. Yes, which is yes. Good. that's good, dude. I'm glad. I'm excited. That I, I, I'm really hopeful. Uh, that's I'm really glad to hear that because I, I I could see it going all over the place in my head when we were talking about it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, some students could just turn in like a couple of things, like the first week, like you turn in a couple of things and then you just like totally blow it off until the end. But it's good to hear that like most of the students are on point on task. So yeah, out of how many students is this? So again, I only teach one class because I'm also trying to get my master's degree. Okay. So it's like 34. Okay. It's just 34. Okay. 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 Good. But still, that's not bad for a single class. That's true. That's a good percentage. Excellent. 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 Any other problems that you've noticed with it or just? Just mostly you're trying to communicate it with students is the biggest problem so far. It's just students not realizing like, hey, remember how I said right here on this sheet I handed to you (laughs) that this is due this day? (laughs) I've had some students are like, oh, can I? I didn't do the quizzes, like, I just, like, lost points. I'm like, no, you, you see right here where it says do at end of term? Like, <laughs> so I, I've had to, like, remind students occasionally where yeah. they don't re- they don't remember things we talked about. But other than that, yeah. there hasn't been much problem so far. Okay, okay. That's good. That's good. That's good. Points to success, I think. We might, we might have a follow-up later if this crashes and burns, and then we can have an interesting <laughs> discussion then. I don't know why it didn't work, but so far... So far, so good. Good, good. I'm glad. This will be good. You're gonna change the world. (laughs) You and your, you and your 34 students. (laughs) Yeah, my one class of physics per year, (laughs) changing the world. Changing the world. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's all the follow-up. Yeah. I haven't had any follow-up. I'm really nervous about that episode still, but that's okay. Just a worrier. It's okay. <laughs> I heard warrior, but warrior. but you also are, I think. <laughs> yes, but. I think so. But not, not that, not in that way. How can you be apathetic, Aaron, if you're also a warrior? Uh, well, I, I mean, I can be an apathetic warrior, can't I? You can be an apathetic warrior. You can't be an apathetic warrior. <laughs> That's like the oh. anti-definition. <laughs> <laughs> Either worrying needs to go out or apathetic needs to go out. One of these things can't stay. I think worrying should go out. Okay. Don't worry about anything. It's a good way to go. Embrace the apathy. <laughs> Dude, I had an apathetic day yesterday. Yeah. I just didn't care about anything. I just didn't do anything. Dude, it's pretty nice. It's a good day. <laughs> I would recommend it. Take a day off one once in a while and just let it all kind of ooze out of the system. Okay. I'll try and do that sometime when I have a free day just to give to <laughs> my apathy. So <laughs> be never. It's okay. It's okay. We'll talk about that later. Well, should we go on to topics? This Dive may be in. the shortest follow-up in a long time. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> since I, the first episode because there was no follow-up. <laughs> I don't have, I don't have much much candy follow-up. Usually, I've got something. Today, I don't have any physical items, but the goods have arrived so yes and i'll get you that uh secret payment soon yes, yes. My, my <laughs> portion of the supply yes <laughs> good good y'all didn't hear nothing though <laughs> just don't you didn't hear anything <laughs> yeah. our secret plans obviously are best put on a public podcast <laughs> on the internet yes <laughs> that sounds wise to me 
I mean, my whole the whole operation's already on the pot. We already talked about the smuggling operation on the podcast. So <laughs> I mean, I just I don't even. I it's too late now. Too late. How else are we supposed to build the big Turk market, right? We have to. We have to promote it somehow. <laughs> people have to know. And the only way people are going to know is if I get them Big Turks. If they don't have a Big Turk in their hand, they're never going to know how good these Big Turks are. Right. That's why you should choose me for <laughs> state representative. <laughs> yeah. As president of the United States. <laughs> I would not aspire to such a thing. But, yeah. Big Turks. They'll, they'll be the primary sponsor for my campaign. <laughs> I like it. Big Turks for everyone. That'll be my, my campaign. All the poor people get boxes of Big Turks. I Sounds like, like a plan. I we'll, like it. We'll get started on that. Okay. Campaign season is coming soon. So. Oh, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. It is. Nice. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> I see here on my list that security guards. <laughs> so... Yes, it is on the list, and this is an interesting story. Do tell. I'll do tell. So, I don't know if this is just the local Walmart or a national thing or what the case is, but mm-hmm. the Walmart around here is open 24-7, right? Mm-hmm. And they have the two sides, right? They have the grocery side and the non-grocery side. And okay, yeah. for safety, they usually cr- close the non-grocery side after 10 o'clock. Right. Which I understand, right? You have less employees in the store, less ability to mod or that type of thing. Yeah. Fewer so people going in and out. It's just that's just right. natural. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. Like, okay, close down one side of the entrance. Yeah. Right? So that everyone enters and exits through the same side. But at the Walmart I go to to buy groceries, one night I had to pick up something really late because I had forgotten it for class the next morning. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do a lab and I needed to get some supplies for it. Mm-hmm. So I go, and it's like 11 o'clock at night, and okay, yeah. I use the self-checkout like I always do because so, I don't want to talk to a human being, right? yeah. <laughs> especially yeah. at 11 o'clock at I, night. <laughs> never, ever use the human people when they're self-checkout. I never <laughs> do that, so I agree. Yes, um, But Walmart has this policy where after 10 o'clock, they have a security guard on duty mm-hmm. that waits in front of the store. Or the place where you would, like, exit to yeah. leave the store, right? The entrance area. Not quite the entrance, but kind of where everyone kind of funnels through after yeah. they check out the lines. And he waits right there. And he has to check every receipt and see that it matches the stuff in your, you know, your bags and your cart before you leave the store. Wait. Every receipt? Every receipt <laughs> of every person after 10 o'clock. <laughs> To Wait. make sure they didn't steal anything. So, so what did? So we checked your receipt. Yeah. So I go. I have two items. I was the only person in self checkout. He is standing next to the self checkout kiosks. Okay. And like he obviously sees me, grab my two items, scan them, put them in a bag, and he still takes the time to look at my receipt, look in my bag, and then lets me go. <laughs> and I was like, you could you could see me right over there, like. Yeah, there's obviously no intent on my part to steal. Maybe I'll just look like a, a hooligan or something. I don't know. That's that's, <laughs> that's got to be it. He saw you coming. He was like, "Ah, this guy is trouble." <laughs> but 
But yeah, so it just drove me batty. I don't understand it. Because really, mm. if I wanted to have stolen something from Walmart, that would you know how easy it would be to <laughs> put something in my pocket or you know like right that is not a like a simple it's not an effective solution if you really want to steal something you can steal something right past one guy that's checking your receipt right you know it's not a great solution to the problem (laughs) i mean i can see it as like a like a deterrent almost because like oh there's a security guard and then you don't you don't want to mess with him but i think if if you're if you're bent on thievery (laughs) i don't think that's so that's so interesting to me. I also had this a similar experience at at this similar Walmart like a while ago, like a couple months ago. But it was just so strange because like they just check your receipt, I guess. Like what are they checking for? Right. Like did I put extra things in my bag? Did I, did I? Is that how I steal stuff? Right. The one that always gets me too is Costco does this, or at least they used to do this. I haven't been to Costco in a while. Yeah, no, they still do. They, they still, still with do the that. marker. Yeah, with the they'll, markers, they'll check everything. Yeah, yeah. They'll... So at least they mark it. But still, that always I always thought that was funny because my mom when when she went to Costco, she'd buy like six hundred dollars in stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. there's no way that They're person not. really can effectively <laughs> check a cart filled with six hundred dollars in groceries. And if my mom already paid six hundred dollars in groceries, why would she steal anything past that point? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, she's gonna sneak in eight hundred dollars of groceries. <laughs> so there's six hundred dollars of groceries that she bought. Well, it's like they don't check it. They don't. They they don't. I mean, like they're maybe they're checking just to make sure there's not like an extra TV on there. But like amount of time they give to the receipt. Like I don't know if there's a way that they specifically mark the receipt, but they don't look at that thing nearly long enough, right, to check. For $600 worth of groceries. And they don't look at your cart nearly long enough. I don't know if it's just like a, like a social deterrent. It's just like, oh, they're going to check it, so just don't steal anything. But, well, yeah, along this line, I think there is kind of two levels of security. Mm-hmm. Where the first level is you put things in place to stop people from feeling like they could get away with something. Mm, right? Yeah, yeah. And then there's the second level of security, which is like the actual level of security where you stop people that can actually steal stuff and have the intent okay, to yeah. do so. Yeah, that's like them little uh, trackers that they put on stuff. Right, right. Yeah. You have to buy like electronic stuff at the same kiosk or at, in the back where the electronic stuff is picked up in Walmart. It's that type of thing. Right, right. But this one, this one always bothers me because I feel like there's so many other natural deterrents. Mm-hmm. from stealing stuff at grocery store the whole receipt thing i feel is unnecessary mm-hmm. like they already have cameras on the self-checkout kiosks they have like cameras throughout the store that's like little yeah. screens that you can see like yeah it's clear that they're watching you and like monitoring this so like right. if you're just the common man you would have no like inkling to steal something to feel like you get could get away with it anyways right right so why why the security guard and then it just gets me frustrated because now it just becomes like a challenge. Like, if this is all you're going to put in here to try and stop me, now now I want to see if I can get past it. <laughs> David gets out of the his next Walmart shopping trip with three cases of candy bars. Just like, what did you do, dude? I, 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 it was a challenge. <laughs> David just took the gauntlet and just threw it down. And just took them on. And I, I believe you could best them, David. I believe you could take them on. So what's your proposed 
what's what's your proposed solution to this to this problem? Because this is this is a problem. I mean, it's it's a challenge, which is a problem. You don't want to be challenging <laughs> people to steal stuff. It's right. it's. I have to talk to somebody now. Like I have to like interact with somebody. Which the whole point of the self checkout is so that I didn't have to talk to anybody. Right. How, how do we how do we how do we solve this this problem? Well, I don't think this is a problem in a lot of ways. Because think about it, this only happens after ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. So what they're obviously got security measures in between the hours of you know six in the morning and ten o'clock at night when everyone is regularly shopping. Yeah. So this extra security guard isn't stopping people from stealing because apparently only thieves steal after ten o'clock, right? Like, is that what they're implying? <laughs> like, only thugs come around and steal stuff if it's after ten. So it's that's why after ten. They got a, they got a rule, a list, a, a list of rules, and on the bottom of that list, no stealing before ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, it it just it just bothers me because especially if you're. Now I'm just going to the details of like if I was going to steal something, <laughs> if I was going to steal something from Walmart, I wouldn't do it after ten when it's not busy and it can be very evident that I was the person that stole. That's true. I would do it during the busiest time of the day. That's true. When yeah. There's more customers and more people around, Employees. and it's easier to get away. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> not to say that I'm going to steal, but uh-huh. why if? if if they're going to do the security guard to check the receipt, if anything, they should do it during the busiest time of the day. I don't, I'm not saying they should do that, but no, no, their, their logic doesn't follow very well is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So I would say get rid of security guards checking receipts because that doesn't do anything anyways. I mean, I'm fine with them having the security guard there. Yeah, that's, that's okay. But just don't talk to me. Just don't talk to me. Gosh, <laughs> by golly, I came to the self-checkout so that I wouldn't have to talk to you. Especially if you saw me with two items. And yeah. <laughs> you saw me self checkout. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I can only imagine like what? Did you, what did you have in your bag? Like a box of granola bars and a ruler. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, do I? You think I'm stealing something? Like, it's, yeah. it's a box of granola bars and a ruler. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Yeah, but, and o- other. I don't know. <laughs> another tactic with stealing, if you're going to steal, you'd put. A item with a bunch of other stuff, not two items. Not two. Right. You'd have piles of stuff and then also slipped underneath the piles of stuff. A bunch of CDs or something. Right, right. <laughs> well, they already tried to do that with the with the self-checkouts, too. That's why they have the whole, like, complicated scale system where you can't put your bag down on the on the, on the the bag side of this. Oh, the yeah. Checkout. I hate that. Oh, my, ba- my item is in the bagging area. Stop telling me it's not. <laughs> I did that the other day. I... I, I scanned some, I went to the other local supermarket. I scanned something, put it in the bag. I scanned a bunch of stuff, but I put put one of the things in the bag. It's like, oh, your bag's not your your item's not in the bagging area. I was like, oh, oh I, I put it in. Okay, whatever, <laughs> fine. So I so I grab it, I pull it out, and then it says, oh, you've removed a bag an item from the bagging area. Please replace the item. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? I just you just I uh, mm. so I put it back in. Please remove it, the extra item from the bagging area. I was like, no! So I pressed the I don't want to bag this item button because I'm <laughs> glad they added that so that I didn't have to go through the people. But anyways. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. I think the, the instant solution is don't check my receipt. This is pointless. <laughs> the long-term solution of 
trying to stop stealing in stores. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I I'm, hear Amazon's got some good ideas about that. Not, yeah. not, <laughs> not like that. You should just order everything online from Amazon. But <laughs> yeah, that's the, the first solution. <laughs> It is. It's the best way. Dude, I love Amazon. It's yes. the best. Amazon Prime is yes. a beautiful you thing. Just, you just buy, and two days later, it shows up all nicely packaged with all your nice new stuff. I wish I could just buy stuff all the time, but that's a, that's a problem. But Amazon, I hear Amazon's working on some a store or something that's got like a lot of really complicated metrics to eliminate stealing. And to make life easy. Is it the same store that has the like automated, not just self checkout, but like yeah, it's it, like fully. It like you pull an item and you put it in your cart, and it like knows right. that you put the item in the cart. Right, exactly, exactly that one. And then yeah. it like, yeah, when you leave the store with the items in your cart, it just it just takes it all out of your bank account. It's like yeah. oh, charge. It's like you couldn't steal anything anyway because it's like oh, I'm gonna steal these headphones and you put them in your bag. And like, guess what? Yeah, you get a forty dollar <laughs> headphone charge. I love the idea of that. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would still take a while to get used to that because I like the finality of a transaction. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't be complete just leaving the store. I feel like I would have stolen stuff even though I know <laughs> that like it's obviously going to be charged. But right, right. Because you just you just walk out and you're like, that was kind of weird. Where's all my? <laughs> I, I feel like I'm missing something. Yeah. And then we'll see. But see, I think I think it would go away quickly because then you'd check your bank account and you'd be like, oh, didn't miss anything, <laughs> did I? <laughs> as long as they just put like a button on the right side of the door for me. Yes. <laughs> that says like bot, you know, or buy or buy. something. <laughs> buy like, that just make me feel better. <laughs> like a, finale, a finality of transactions. It doesn't have know? to be a little. It could be a big, a big <laughs> red button that you can just boom. You just take your fist and you just slam it like an arcade game almost. Yeah, for buying your girl, and then like, and then like the boring people who don't want to press the button can just walk out, but the rest <laughs> of us can go. Hey, Gapping! I don't know, like balloons or like a siren or something will go off, like something, something good, something real good. That's that's what I want. That's I think that would it's be. Ju ideal. It's just like a two dollar button. Like it has no like purpose other right. than to make you feel good. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just it's mostly just a plastic dome and a light behind it. But that's that's that's. that's a, that's all it needs to be. I mean, I don't need something expensive. It doesn't need to be, like, right. fancy. It's not the point. Yeah. The point is that I get to smash a big red button. <laughs> and that would be better than regular grocery shopping for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Heck, yeah. Yeah, but okay. I think okay. I think we got some good things going on here. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see any problems. <laughs> well. Stop checking my receipt. Stop checking <laughs> Roughly uh, possessive of that receipt of yours. Huh? <laughs> I quite. am. It represents me having to talk to you if you take it. <laughs> <laughs> the best, the best is when they don't talk to you. The worst is when they try and like make small talk. It's like yeah. it's one o'clock in the morning, man. <laughs> you don't want to be here, and I don't want to be here. We shouldn't be here, but we're here. Don't try and small talk right now, please, man. Just check the receipt. I know it's your job. I know you're just getting paid to do it. Don't talk to me. <laughs> we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Well, I feel kind of bad for those guys, too, because, like, I'm sure they don't enjoy for their security job, you know, sitting at a Walmart, <laughs> yeah. checking receipts. That sounds miserable. They'll buy them a candy bar next time. 
and the big red button and the big red <laughs> when they finish their job. <laughs> like, could you just put this on your desk and just press it when you're done? Let me press it when I'm done, and we'll be happy. This is how you're gonna clock in and clock out. This giant red button. I wish we could clock in and clock out like that. I gotta tell my boss. That's a great idea, David. Like, oh, getting into work in the morning, just you just go, you know, and you're tired, and, and you plump your head against the wall, and then you just press the button, and like the lights turn on in the shop, and everything starts up, and it's like, oh, time to work. <laughs> Be magical. Indeed. So it's time for our problem well solved this week. <laughs> I'm glad you have one of these ready to go every time, because I'm like totally unaware of good things going on around me <laughs> i mean <laughs> i take them for granted too much i probably should be more you know aware of the beautiful things going on in the world but. i mean i just don't care but you know being dismal does kind of do that to you <laughs> how can i see any beauty in the world <laughs> when I'm dismal, Dave? <laughs> so our problem will solve for this week sometimes you've got a lot of stuff and not a lot of money. And you think, hmm, if I could just turn this stuff back into money, that'd be real great. Good news, people of the world. <laughs> There's a solution. It's called a yard sale. Okay. Yard sales are our problem well solved for this week. They solve a problem in a way that I don't quite understand. I still don't understand yard sales. So you've got Amazon. We'll take Amazon, for example. They've got a huge selection of products. And you just buy the stuff, you get it shipped to your door. It's great. It's whatever. Take that a step back, and you go to, like, a market, like a supermarket. You're like, okay, yeah, you go to the supermarket, and there's stuff that you want, and you buy it. It's great. It's all new, fancy, nice stuff. And then there's thrift stores. Where you go and somebody has donated all these items and some of your donations, some of your purchase money will probably go back into charity, hopefully. And it's all it's all kind of used stuff. So you can buy used, sometimes new stuff, but mostly used stuff. And you buy used stuff. Then you take one more step <laughs> away from that. And you get a yard sale where you take your front yard, you lay out a tarp. You put all the stuff you don't want from inside your house onto the tarp, <laughs> charge a, like a pitiful amount percentage-wise for how much you paid for it. Right. You bought this shirt for $40. Guess how much you're selling it for? One dollar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they wanted two shirts for a dollar? Sold. You take all this stuff. You put it on your front yard. You put some signs up. And I don't know what happens, okay, David? I don't quite – I still don't quite understand this. Something happens in, like, the universe. Like, it kind of rustles the universe. And and out of the woodworks comes people. <laughs> they come. Okay, that's the part that breaks my mind, right. okay? People come. But I, I can't fathom. They come to the yard sale, and then they buy stuff, <laughs> and then they leave, okay? I've done – as a fundraiser, my family's done yard sales before. We like yard sales. They're, mm-hmm. they're awesome for getting rid of stuff because for some reason it works. I don't quite understand it. But at the end of the day, we always have a bunch of money and no more stuff. And I, 
I don't understand what happens. I don't understand what causes people to come to my yard sale and buy my things. Like my <laughs> old, used, useless, worthless to me things. And granted, they pay, you know, like a percentage, like a small, minuscule percentage of the original price. But right. like they still buy it. So first of all, let me just say, okay. I'm very glad you're coming at this from the seller perspective. Okay. If you were going to tell me that <laughs> buying at yard sales is an effective <laughs> thing to do, we would have had a very long argument. Just oh, now. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the part I don't understand because I've been to yard sales as a buyer before and I don't buy hardly anything yeah. ever. I agree with you though. I don't know where these people come from. People, Some people just love yard sales. I know yeah. a couple of people that are that way. <laughs> or they'll just go like searching almost for yard sales yeah. on weekends and stuff. I'm yeah, just like, yeah. That, they, they go yard sailing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> they get in their car and they look for the signs. Those big posters that you put up, you put Sharpie on a piece of paper and put it up. I, I don't understand where the people come from. I've never actually done a yard sale, okay. like selling stuff. Okay. Just thinking about like growing up in my family. Mm-hmm. My dad would always just throw stuff away or donate it to a thrift store, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because from his perspective and my perspective, I probably <laughs> would say it's not worth my time to take the time to do a yard so- sale yeah. that morning or that day and waste a bunch of hours waiting for these people to come. I mean, they'll probably come and they'll maybe love it. <laughs> I just want to take they'll that time stuff. out of my day. I'd much right, rather just right. put it all in a truck okay, and yeah. say, I'm going to take this to the thrift store. They can take it. They care. can. See – and the thing with the yard sales, that happens still. You don't get away from that. That's the right. thing with the yard sale is you still have to do that at the end of the day. So I guess, have you found it profitable enough to justify? Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, so, so we, we didn't do, we didn't. So sometimes you see like a piddly little yard sale and it's like a couple items, like one tarps worth of items right. laid out on the ground. And that's, you know, it's a yard sale, but it's nothing, nothing big. Right. We didn't do small <laughs> yard sales, but when it was a yard sale, it was a yard sale. We have a huge front yard. It comes and it elbows around our house, and then we have a driveway right next to it. So we have this pretty big yard, like the width of the house, and then also the depth of the house back right. on the side. Right. Dude, we'd fill that place with stuff. Really? We had stuff every. We'd piles of clothes and toys and like <laughs> furniture on the on sometimes we get our neighbors and be like hey you guys have stuff you want to get rid of we're getting we're doing a yard sale you guys want to get rid of it we'll take it away from you and they'll they they'd give us stuff they'd be like yeah we don't want this stuff and we'd take it we'd have so much stuff dude it was an art deal it was not a small <laughs> we didn't wake up at seven o'clock and go oh i guess we'll put the stuff out and no 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 no, no. we were up at four pricing and getting <laughs> stuff ready we Four o'clock in the morning, we'd get the stickers out and start pricing things. How much is that worth? 25 cents? 25 cents. We write 25 cents on our stickers. Put the 25 cent sticker. Dude, people buy. People buy like crazy. We'd make hundreds of dollars Wow! from these yard sales. It broke my mind. I, I couldn't understand it. I still don't understand it. I don't understand where all the stuff went. See, Aaron, now that sounds like a nightmare to me, but <laughs> I can see your intrinsic joy. And putting stickers on things oh, and oh. throwing things in the yard. It also probably helps. I know where you live, and you're pretty close to a major road. Yeah. So that 
that helps too. It does. It does I'm, help. Uh, I'm pretty far out from a major yeah. <laughs> highway or anything, so our house probably would be harder to find. But <laughs> I can just see the entire Aaron clan coming together, putting stickers on stuff. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. Oh, yeah. the stickers are the favorite part. I mean, what else do you want? With <laughs> oh, I, I could tell. <laughs> I mean, Saturday morning comics. No, Saturday morning stickers, dude. Saturday morning <laughs> stickers. It was an ordeal, but like. By about three o'clock, we were all done. <laughs> we were all ready to be done. But like two o'clock rolls around, you still have like half your stuff. Throw it on a car. Take it to the take yeah. it to the thrift store. Like then then you do the same thing. You just get rid of it. It's done. <laughs> we got all we could out of it, and now it's gone. I feel like I would enjoy a yard sale if I could join your family okay. in one of those experiences. So maybe the next time you do it, let me know. I'll come over at four o'clock in the morning. Okay. And we could see. I could see how a yard sale is supposed to be done. Yes. Yes. At the Aaron household. Well, I mean, I mean, you're not just gonna see; you're gonna, you're gonna help. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. There's a lot of stickers. <laughs> we bu- we buy a lot of stickers. <laughs> so I just, I think, I think it's a great, I, I think it's a great solution to the problem. Like big yard sales. I think little yard sales, they're still good. I've I've been to a couple. I don't understand why you'd want to buy stuff, but people <laughs> do. So like, if you need to get rid of a bunch of stuff, I got the solution. I got a problem well solved. Do a yard sale. Don't just take it to the thrift store. Do a yard <laughs> sale. Make a couple bucks. You'll make some money. You'll make some money. You will. Or if you don't want to take any hours of your day, take it to the thrift store. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see I can see why this works out for you and mm-hmm. you enjoy this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It it's come up less and less. We've done it less and less often because the kids are getting old and moving out. Right. And we don't need to fundraise for anything anymore because we right. all have jobs. So it's 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 a good thing to do with 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 kids. Yeah. But once That's your kids true. are turning into adults, it's kids stuff sells easier too. That's true. Toys, kids toys, mm-hmm. kids clothes, mm-hmm. that type of thing. I tell you what, yeah, that's what sells at, at yard sales: furniture and toys. <laughs> I always feel bad for the piles of clothes. Because, like, there are the cra- – there are the – I don't want to say crazy, but there <laughs> the are crazy the – crazy people. The intense the intense yard sailors that will go and sort through your clothes to find the clothes that they want. Like, right. It's crazy. I'm like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> but furniture and kids' toys, those, nice. are, those, are, the, those are the big ticket items. I got to tell you two stories really quick. Okay, okay, okay. So whenever I hear the word yard sale, mm-hmm. I'm reminded of a story – this is totally unrelated to the art sells themselves, but <laughs> yep. there was a there is a teacher I work with that when he bought his house, he he had his backyard already you know fenced in and everything and all yep. this stuff. And a few years after he moved into the house, he found out that the property line didn't match up correctly with where the fence was. Yeah, and somehow there was like a block of his yard, this like little chunk of his yard yep. that actually wasn't his. Oh, okay. And he he already had the fence in, and like for some reason it wasn't his neighbors either. Like it just was like unclaimed property. Yeah. So he had to go and go to an auction okay. to buy a part of his yard. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So like he didn't own like a you know a fifty foot by fifty foot part of his yard or whatever it was, and yeah, he had he had to go buy it or fifty feet probably too big, but yeah, whatever yeah. chunk it was, <laughs> he had to go buy this part of his yard. <laughs> at an auction house well, or whatever. They didn't just like 
Yeah, it didn't just like Give automatically like... go to him or like they didn't just agree on a price. You had to actually go auction. He had for to go it. auction for. Did anyone else? <laughs> I gotta know. Did anyone else like? It was someone bidding against him. Like, <laughs> I don't think so. But like we were we were joking as a faculty that we were gonna go and like bid on his <laughs> his property. <laughs> what if the the faculty of the school bands together and goes and buys the property? <laughs> We hold our, like, school parties back there in this yard. <laughs> There's room for, like, one table and, like, a couple chairs. But, hey, we'll, we'll pack a couple people in there, have a party in your backyard. Ding! <laughs> yeah. Although that probably wouldn't work because it's in his backyard. So it'd be trespassing to get there. <laughs> He'll just put a no trespassing sign yeah. up and it's like, oh. So you have to, like, catapult into the that block <laughs> of the yard. <laughs> catapult. Just helicopter. Helicopters. We got a we got a safer solution. <laughs> Helicopter, skydive in, <laughs> skydive in. That's a you got to be pretty accurate to nail that little spot. Well, twenty foot square, like uh, I don't know. Anyway, so I can't hear yard sale without well, thinking of that story. Now it makes me laugh. Okay, okay, nice. The other the other thing I do appreciate about yard sales is that there is the ability to bargain. Yeah. Some people are less or more strict on that. But that's often something people like to do is to bargain. Right. And, you know, try and get the price down or that type of thing. They like that kind of experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, again, that's not my style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I have to tell you a story okay. about one time I did go to a thrift store. And they were they were doing volunteer hours. So yeah. I, like, volunteered at the thrift store and was helping clean some stuff and that type of thing. Yeah. And while I was there, I found this set of, like, broken speakers from the 80s, you know, mm-hmm. maybe even 70s. They're pretty old. Mm-hmm. Actually, they're right there in the classroom. <laughs> oh, those ones. Yeah. They still have the stickers on them. Yeah. Um, nice. But I saw them, and they still have the plus minus plugs on the back, yeah, which the, you can't find anymore. The red and black ones? No, older than that. What? They're like actual screws. You just connect directly to the screws. And you screw them in like a like an outlet, like an electrical outlet. Oh, what? Yeah. Anyways, they're super nice for if you have. I use them for my classroom because I have a wave generator that has banana plugs and alligator clips. Okay. So I can clip directly onto it, and the banana plugs go in on the other side into the wave generator. Yeah. And so you can't find that on speakers anymore. So I wanted to buy these because I'm like, I can use this for a physics demo. Yeah. And no one else is going to buy these because this technology is like 30 years old. You know, right. maybe more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so. I go and I look at the sticker and it says 10 bucks. And I was like, oh, 10 bucks for both. That's, that's reasonable, but I mean, it's a broken speaker. It's a little pricey. Yeah. It's a little pricey. And I go up to the, the store guy to buy the speakers after I'm done with my volunteer shift. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, I, I was just working in the back and I saw these. I was wondering if I could buy them. And he's like, okay, that'll be 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Like, Oh, I, I thought these sticker. I thought these was ten for both. Right? I thought the sticker meant it was a pair. He's like, no, no. If it was a pair, they would have you know this marking on them. So this is ten for each speaker. Ten dollars each. Yeah, and I was like, um, these speakers are pretty much useless. Like, the only reason I want them is because I'm a physics teacher. I'm like trying to explain that he's not oh, going to no, be able, no. able to sell them again. That's like, <laughs> the bargaining didn't work. Yeah, so the bargaining didn't work. <laughs> And plus, he's just like a regular employee, so he probably doesn't have that authority anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, and he's just like, oh, it says 10 bucks, And, you know, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine, I'll just buy them because I want them. <laughs> so I ended up buying these broken speakers for oh. $20. And I was really mad because I oh, felt like no. I should have paid maybe $5 yeah. for both. Let's see, that's what I... <laughs> I'm sorry, my friend. I, 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 I have a feeling that perhaps you don't bargain enough <laughs> to, to know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't bargain that often, but... Are you doubting my ability, Aaron? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I feel like trying to explain why they should be cheaper is not is not the way of, of bargaining. Sh- it's okay though. <laughs> I don't know how to. Bar- I don't bargain that often either. But but someday, dude, we should someday we should go bargaining. That sounds fun. That sounds awful. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess we won't do that then. <laughs> You can go bargain and I can go watch. That would be fun. <laughs> can we go? We should go. <gasps> dude, we could do. <gasps> dude, I have an excellent idea for an episode of SW. We'll see. I will. Uh, it might have to wait till next summer, but okay. I've got a great idea. I have a feeling this is going to be on the road if you're going to do this. Yes. <laughs> it is. It's going to be on the road. It's going to be great. Okay. Do you want to make note of it right I, now? I, nah, nah. This is this is an idea that's been kicking around in my head for <laughs> the last five years. So, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> we didn't even know each other back then. That's impressive. I know. I know. It's it's the, the, the podcast is a way to make the idea a reality. The idea requires some some sort of public I, I don't even know what to call it like a public viewing yes yes public <laughs> outlet yes yes so so we'll see we'll see well you're building it up you better be ready to you know oh stand by this oh, when summer stand- comes around <laughs> you kidding me i'll stand I, yeah the plus side with it kicking around in my head for five years is that i feel like i have a good explanation around it i don't know that i actually have a good explanation because i've never explained it to anybody but <laughs> we'll see we'll see not right now not right now boom bye okay we get them let's mark your calendars everybody this summer <laughs> <laughs> summer of 20 what year is it 19 20 it's 2018 right now okay okay it's summer, it's 2019. 2019. <laughs> summer of 2019 dust w goes on the road it's gonna be big it's gonna be expensive <laughs> <laughs> I wish they'd say that for when they were advertising things. That'd be better. <laughs> it's like, we have a giant monster truck rally. It's really expensive. <laughs> like, tickets are cheap, but it was really expensive. It'd be like a metric for how... Anyway, anyway. anyway, <laughs> anyway. Say, I was trying to think of something to <laughs> bring you back to what we were talking about, but uh, you were just going. I'll bring myself you back. Be. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. <laughs> so, problem well solved. Yard sales. Is there a way to make them better? No. No. They're perfect. Well, the way to make them better is to do them the way Aaron does them. Yeah, big, big big. yard sales. Get donations from everybody. And then the best part is the people who donated, our neighbors, came to the yard sale. (laughs) I can't remember if they bought anything. I have no idea if they, but I bet they bought something. Right. (laughs) And it's just terrible. They gave you stuff and then they bought. (laughs) They paid you. Exactly, exactly, exactly. The worst with yard, dude, the most dangerous thing with yard sales, though, big yard sales like that, is sometimes people donate stuff that you want. And oh, it's like, really? oh, no. Because <laughs> the whole point of the thing is to get rid of stuff. 
right. and then they donate something you want. You're like, I can't, I can't, I can't even, I can't do this. This is a trap. So, for this next bit, we're going to try something a little bit different from what we've done on Save the World. Hmm, we're... That's true. <laughs> Sorry, your, your face. I wish you guys could have seen Aaron's face. He had a <laughs> profound realization here. You guys miss out so much without seeing my face. <laughs> you guys, my my hands are doing stuff. My face is doing stuff. Yeah, <sighs> we should just have a video recording that just focuses on your face. They'll still <laughs> never see me. It'll just be you talking, and that's the podcast. <laughs> like, uh, like one of those. Uh, one of those really creepy tracking ones where it just like stays on your face and just like goes with your face. <laughs> it rotates about the center of your face. Yes, to, like, yes. Stay in position and alignment. <laughs> maybe someday. Maybe someday. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. To so get a little bit more funding for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then so, we can invest in silly things like that. <laughs> so anyways, like we were saying. Sorry. Sorry. This is a new thing we're going to try because – Aaron recommended a book to me that he really enjoyed and I also thoroughly enjoyed. And so we're going to discuss things in the book we liked and whether or not other people should read this book and why and how the world would be a better place if they did read this book. So as with all things book related, since this is a book that I recommended, I'm going to take the moment to say, Spoiler alert. This book is ruined with spoilers. So, right. Like, the whole point of the book is that you should never have heard of it before. It's called Rendezvous with Rama, R A M A. It's by Sir Arthur C. Clarke. So, if you haven't read the book, stop right now. Stop right now. <laughs> if 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 you ever intend on reading the book, it's a science fiction book, and if you ever intend on reading the book, if you're interested at all, stop right now. So download it. You can get an audiobook format. You can get a solid copy format. Get the book. Read it. Then listen. And even if you're not a science fiction guy, which I actually am not, I still enjoyed it. So if you want like an intro into the science fiction world, this is a good one to start with too. Ooh, okay. So to give you a little bit more motivation if you do. And again, I actually don't know the length of the book. All lengths of books for me now are in audio form. <laughs> So it's about eight hours, which isn't bad for an audio book. Yeah. Like that's a relatively short yeah, book. That's 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 pretty short. There's there's I've I've read as short as four and as long as thirty six. So eight's pretty good. <laughs> thirty six, holy crap. Yeah, dude. Maybe even thirty nine that's great hours of audio. It's a lot. It's, those are good books. Um that's the wheel of time I've been reading that's keeping me from reading all the other books. That's, oh, that's why. Yeah, my like brother-in-law reads that series. 20 hours and 30 <laughs> hours and, and 25 and 36. And it's just like, oh. And the hard thing is you may be saying, oh, like, well, well what's it about? But just like Aaron said, like the whole book is building on this idea that you don't know what's going on almost. Like it's kind yeah. of hard to explain. So <laughs> I'm going to ask David to splice this in, though, at the, before we talk about the book, right after the spoiler warnings. People, you just listened to the spoiler warnings, but please, we just talked about the book. You have, you ha if you have any interest at all, you have to read the book or else we'll spoil everything for you. Okay. We're about to talk about everything. Please read the book, especially you, my sister. 
read it. And then, <laughs> and then listen to the rest of this podcast. Because it'll destroy everything if you listen to the podcast. It won't be the same experience. You won't experience it the way it was meant to be experienced. Please, read the book. <laughs> okay, I'll splice that in. Th- thank you, thank you. I just, I feel this, like, after talking about it, I realize, like, exactly, like, right. how much is just ruined if you just listen to us talk yeah. about it. Just if you have interest, you have the time, you want an intro into the sci-fi world, or if you like sci-fi books, you'll definitely like this one. <laughs> definitely. Um, so, make your decision now. Okay, decision time's <laughs> up. <laughs> if you didn't decide to pause the podcast, then it's too late, and you're getting <laughs> all the spoilers, which, for some of you, will be fine, because... You don't want to read it, but that's fine. So <laughs> the book, Rendezvous with Rama. And it was published in 1973, so it's actually kind of old. It's, it's a little dated. Yeah. But again, really good. Should we start with a synopsis? Or how, how do we want to do this? <sighs> Probably. I think that would that would be wise. And I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that you're going to be better at summarizing the book All right, than I will be. So will you please... Summarize. Okay. So the book starts out. It's been a couple years in the future. I think around 2050 is what the book says. Again, this was written in the 70s. So this is thinking like 100 years down the road for the person that was writing it. Mm-hmm. And basically the, the world has kind of come together after some major you know, war problems and meteor showers and a bunch of like terrible things that have happened to the world that have mm-hmm. caused the world to kind of unite and solve some problems. And they have this massive space program mm-hmm. and they're living on other planets at this point and all these good things. Yep. But one day um, they see an abnormality on their radars of this, this meteor that's coming into the earth's orbit yep. and into the solar system that is not behaving like other meteors. So that's kind of how it starts. So there's a meteor kind of heading towards Earth, towards the sun, and it's abnormal. It doesn't send the same type of signals. It doesn't reflect the light the same way and all these things. Mm-hmm. And so the whole purpose of the book is that you find out that meteor is actually a vessel. It's a alien ship of some kind. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, not, it's obviously made because it's like perfectly cylindrical, and all these things they can figure out by analyzing the signal. And so because they have this nice space program, they actually send somebody to rendezvous with it to land on it. And they call this big ship Rama. Mm-hmm. Thus the name Rendezvous with Rama. Uh-huh. So. That's a perfect synopsis. That's perfect. <laughs> like I was just like, it's perfect. <laughs> so without going into everything, because that's part of the fun of the book is. The style of the book is that you learn slowly one part of this alien civilization, the Ramans, as they call them, mm-hmm. at each part of the book. So you learn you learn a little bit more as they analyze the signal. That you learn a little bit more when they actually land in the ves- on the vessel. You learn a little bit more as they go into the vessel, and then they start to explore. And so you learn a little bit more and more about the Ramans as the book progresses. And that's kind of what holds you into the book is it's really well paced mm-hmm. in how much information you get about them as you go through the book and so they get inside the vessel and then they're able to see because supposedly none of them are alive inside the vessel because they don't detect any you know life but they start running into like robots that are inside of it and they see the buildings they've made and these types of things so you you get to slowly learn more about the ramens 
mm-hmm. with each step, mm-hmm. which is what I loved about the book because mm-hmm. it was you know well paced on what, what grabbed you like oh what is that what is that what yeah. is that thing they're doing why would they do that mm-hmm. so and that's the synopsis to start yes. I think we'll start with that okay okay I like it I like it I like it a lot it's. So like the first part of the book is so boring. Like I'm just like <laughs> so bored every time I read the first part. I'm like, oh, United Space Federation, whatever. I'm bored. But as soon as they get, as soon as they get to the point where they're actually rendezvousing with the space, the spaceship, the, the spaceship, that's where it really starts to get really, really, really interesting. Because it's this, it's this. Like David said, it's a cylinder, but it's not. It's not a small cylinder. Like it's not a small vessel. I had to look this up because I, I couldn't conceive of the numbers they used because since he was British, right. he used everything in kilometers. <laughs> and I had to like – I have no measure for how much a kilometer is. <laughs> That's funny because that wasn't a problem because I teach physics. Oh. So like, I can see though that being like an issue of like getting a sense of scale. But. Right, right. So that's what I just – I just barely – I do remember exactly how big it was. So so the cylinder itself is 50 kilometers long. You're right. Like, oh, and I <laughs> – for old me, I'm like, how, how big is that? That's 30 miles. Yeah. So 30 miles long. It's huge. It's huge. It's right. so big. And they go, oh, I love this book so much for so many reasons. But the same thing, I think, for you is the discovery. Yes. I have to say, that's probably one of my favorite parts of all books ever. Like, all media, all the mm-hmm. things that we go over, like like movies and and all this stuff like this, the discovery element is what really grabs me. That's what really, like, mm, like how to train your dragon. Like, mm-hmm. there's how to train your dragon and how to train your dragon 2. Number 2 is really good. Like, it was really good. It was a really good movie. Right. But it never, in my mind, never beats out 1. Because 1 is this discovery process that's unlike anything else. in Like, in, trying to understand why the dragons behave the way they do. Exactly, right? exactly, exactly. And this book is so exciting because it is just this discovery of this <laughs> crazy alien place. They get into the inside the cylinder and it's just this huge dark thing that you can't see anything in. And and, and they start wandering around and it's just gripping. It's so fun because <laughs> – and the best part about it is it's not like a – because like easy enough to make stuff like that into like a horror book or a thriller book, yeah? Right. But they didn't. It's it's truly just a discovery book where you just you're just learning about all this stuff. It's just exploration. Right. I that was one of the things I appreciated actually a lot about the book mm-hmm. was I was expecting like oh once they get inside aliens are gonna pop out and they're <laughs> gonna like in like a laser battle. It, none of that is in none there. Like the la- the aliens are presumed dead because yep. they can't detect any of their life signals in there, mm-hmm. and you really don't see them or meet them in any physical shape. We'll talk about the end in a bit, but, um, Mm -hmm. and it's just them exploring their, the vessel. Like, how did they build these buildings? Why are these here? Why would they put this this way? Yeah. And like you said, that's awesome. I really love the physics of it all. Like there's a couple (laughs) parts where I'm like, Oh, like, yeah, that's a little bit of a stretch, but everything was physics reasonable. Okay. Like everything okay. in my mind said, yeah, that's how physics would work in that case. Okay. That may be like way too much power for that or may too, way too much, you know, <laughs> setup for this. But, you know, right, that's a right. physically consistent setup, which I really appreciate. It wasn't just like all random sci-fi stuff. They're like, oh, yeah. we got to account for the G-force from the, you know, rotation and those types of things. And right, right. They have, to, they have to have a light system and 
all that. You know, like there was there was a lot of cool things that mm-hmm. I liked about the physics. Okay, okay. I <laughs> I'm so glad <laughs> cuz like like a lot of sci-fi stuff, I feel like a lot of sci-fi stuff is that way where like you get into it and you're like what? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like no, that's not how that works and and like all the physics of everything starts breaking down. I I'm glad to hear your report that it is pretty consistent like it is f- like not totally crazy <laughs> it's no. not i agree some of it is a little bit kind of like eh, but it's not totally crazy which right. i'm happy to hear about i especially you know one thing that i super loved was the the mental orientation that the astronauts had to take going right. into that place like i've never i've never considered it like that because they get into the they get into the the spaceship and it's this huge, it's a huge cylinder. And they talk about this guy, Sir Clark, <clears throat> talks about how it could be the way you can think about it really can throw some astronauts off. He was talking about like I don't know, I, I don't know if that's so, a true thing, but yeah. So let's talk about how they set up the ship to give the listeners an idea okay. of what's yeah. going please. on. Please, <laughs> please, please. So, so they get inside the cylinder, right? And they're exploring this vessel, and it's the age-old idea that. If you rotate a cylindrical object, right, then the rotation itself gives you the same experience with your own inertia that it creates this artificial gravity. Like water in a bucket. Yeah, exactly. And so there's this artificial gravity caused by the rotation of the cylinder. And I appreciate that they they make note that, you know, because the cylinder is big enough and rotating fast enough, this is possible. There's a lot of sci-fi films that don't, like, make any regard to that it's like no that vessel's way too small to have any type of artificial gravity but they like actually show like or they don't show but they explain that the numbers are big enough that you can actually experience this artificial mm-hmm. gravity mm-hmm. it doesn't just totally yeah it just doesn't totally destroy you like how some of the smaller things would right right but so aaron's description that he's talking about with the astronauts that's interesting is the astronauts come in from the top of the cylinder so if you're in the center of the top of the cylinder Right? There's no gravity because you're along the rotation axis. And so when they come in, they're not experiencing any gravity, but they're looking at this world that is perfectly symmetric about them. And there's like this big staircase to the ground level where the gravity is actually there. But when they enter, they can look up and feel like they're looking down at a surface. They can look down and feel like they're looking up at a surface or down as, you know. Yeah. And so this idea that they're at the top of the cylinder and then on all sides is a you know, a reasonable view of the world gives them this like vertigo that they have to yeah. overcome and uh, like orient themselves in a specific direction, which right. I thought was really cool. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's almost like, it's, it's almost like ima- imagining yourself at the top of a well, like, but a, a huge well, like a, a miles in diameter well that just right. goes straight down. And that's another, a dangerous thing is like, you can, you can look down at that and go, Oh, you start freaking out because you're just looking down into this endless abyss where you, you think, oh, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall right. into that. Or you look like you're saying you look up and there's the world and, you, oh, I'm going to fall that way. Or, But you're not because you're in zero gravity. You're just kind of floating there. Yeah, so that was super interesting. Uh-huh. I really appreciated that. The, the other thing I loved was there's a, there's a C in the middle of the cylinder. And um, so if you think about it, the C is perfectly, again, cylindrical. So it, it's just like this ring around the outside of the cylinder, but it's all water, mm-hmm. which is kind of a cool visual to think of in your mind, first of all, just like water <laughs> surrounding the yeah. surface. But um, they find out that the, the vessel can actually accelerate. 
this ship, the Raman ship, can actually accelerate. Mm-hmm. And they find out the reason why. That they figure out the max. I love this part. They figure out the max acceleration because they figure out how high the walls are on mm-hmm. the edges of the mm-hmm. sea <laughs> to hold it inside the sea. And this vessel can accelerate faster than that. Otherwise, the water would splash out yep. of the sea, which is really cool. Like they can. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, I wanted to do the calculation myself. I was like, oh, like, okay, so what? they have this much water, and you know, the walls are this high. And oh, so, that makes me so happy. I, I love, I love that part. There's a lot of mm-hmm. things where like physics justified the explanation, and vice versa. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. that was cool. Mm-hmm. That was cool. I agree. I agree. That was. I love all the talk about space drive. That was always funny. It was like, <laughs> oh, how does it go? Well, uh, space drive. <laughs> but, but I agree that it's oh, it's. It's just such a cool book. It's just such a fun book. Can I share other moments? Yes, that please. Have, or did you have a specific uh, one? I, uh, no. <laughs> please go. <laughs> okay. A couple of other moments that I loved. So part of the story that I enjoyed is that he, he theorizes a lot about what the social circumstances would be mm. if we had multiple planets that we lived on. Mm-hmm. So he talks about the, the Martians oh, and yeah. the people that live on the moon and the people that live on Mercury. And how they perceive things differently. Yeah. And like how our culture kind of shifts from like nations to actually like we live on different planets and we group ourselves based on our planet rather than on our nation. And just right. like how they perceive things like Martians or sorry, the people that live on Mercury have this like really like tough guy attitude because they can't ever live on Earth because they can't uh, experience that gravity and survive. Right. Because the gravity is so light on Mercury and Mercury is so hot that they've lived inside these you know, like contained bases. And so they just get this like really hard as you know, nails, nails yeah. mental attitude about life and, yeah. you know, to survive and these types of things. And so there's a lot of cool parts about that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that I found interesting how he thought how society would develop and adapt to that. Sorry, before I move on, did you have thoughts on that? Or? Well, yeah, I, I, I never thought about how genius that actually was until you just barely brought that up. I never considered exactly his thought process in, in creating that. And the way that that does kind of, I don't know, uh, reflects on the planets and on people and how that how that might happen. And it just kind of broke my mind. I was like, whoa, just barely, just barely that all happened. Yeah. I love, I love too that he talks about like, because they have the main like United Planet Federation. I can't remember that actual name, but their, yeah, yeah, yeah. their main headquarters <laughs> is on the something. moon. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved how he talks about like, they would try and bring people in, but they would they could do Skype calls. Basically, he doesn't yeah. call them Skype calls, but because they have that in the seventies. But he calls it basically a Skype call. But um, mm-hmm. I can't remember which planet he says. But one of the planets couldn't participate that way because their their Skype call would be like four minutes behind oh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're so far away. The light could take too long to chat. Like it was just cool things like that. I'm like, yeah, like he really had a good understanding of physics and took the time to think about what those would look like. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciated that too. Like. This this whole society, what would it look like if it lived on multiple planets? Mm-hmm. Which I found mm-hmm. interesting. It's way cool. But uh, one of the spoilers is the other part I really enjoyed about the book, or one of the scenes I really enjoyed about the book. Okay, um, go for it. So they get on this planet, they're exploring it, and they find these. They find out it can accelerate, and they find these things that gives them suspicion that the Ron, the Romans have malintent. They're going to try and enter like mercury's orbit and actually join the solar system oh, and yeah they believe yeah. that some people believe they actually might be trying to like cause destruction or take resources or something like that right right there's and that's all given by like the the way the ship is approaching the sun and how it's gonna how it could slow down and 
and and join yeah like david said join the orbits of the planets and become almost like a new planet and and that as as humans gives them reason to think oh maybe they're here to destroy us right and so i love this part too because there's this this political it shows the political side of how the the planets are reacting all these ambassadors and stuff and them trying to decide but the people on mercury take matters into their own hands Mm -hmm. and they launch basically a missile towards rama and yeah (laughs) they they give the the crew this part i didn't quite fully understand like they're able to stop the missile and they give the crew some time to get off before they blow it up right right they send they send the missile and put it almost like kind of put it in orbit yeah <laughs> with with rama yeah so for that part i was like that's eh, a little bit of a stretch but um <laughs> i appreciate it crew that's exploring rama you have you know two hours to get out so that we can blow it up basically right right and i love this part because what they do is they send a member to fly out to rom or to the missile yep. and disable it and then come back and the reason they can do that is because the signal takes like a certain amount of time to get back to Mercury. So they can't send the code to send to, to launch the missile in time before the people, before the crew has gone and disabled the missile. I, I love that part. Like they, they account for all the time. Yeah. Time yeah. differences would be and how long the signals would take. And mm-hmm. they, you know, they send a guy out and he goes and disable it and comes back. It's just really cool. Cause yeah. like the crew decides they don't want Rama to blow up. Right. Right. Right, right, yeah. They, they, They're like, they, we need to preserve this, you know. That's <laughs> and so, anyway. I just love that whole scene because it's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, that part makes me so mad. Like every time I hear that, because <laughs> I'm like, to this point, listeners, like nothing has happened with Rama. Like nothing about Rama is threatening. Like it's like it's sure like some of the orbits look kind of scary, but like the crew's been inside of Rama and there's nothing there. Like it's kind of dead. It's like right. there's there's no. There's not really anything to this point, but they still Mercury's still like, oh, we're gonna blow it up because it's dangerous. It's like you idiots, like knock right. it off. <laughs> like we can we can get stuff in in there just in case. Like oh, oh, just wait, okay, hold your freaking horses, and let us figure this out. Right. It's just it makes me so mad that they're just so rash about it. Right. Yeah, but that that was I I, I did enjoy that part mm-hmm, of the book. Mm-hmm, I found mm-hmm. that interesting. Mm-hmm. So just a quick side note. This is also why the Mars rover actually can only travel at like a tenth of an inch per second because any commands from Earth uh-huh. take four minutes to get to Mars. Oh, so they don't want to they don't want to cause it to go speeding long. Right. And then realize there's an obstacle <laughs> and then like they send a command to turn and then it like just goes off a cliff, you know. I never thought about that. Huh? Yeah, but I because I've I've wondered that before. Like, why is the rover so flipping slow? You feel like I always felt yeah. like they could have built it faster. They could have, right? They, but they decided not to because they needed to have very precise controls, right? And they can only send con- commands every you know yeah, four minutes. Four, it takes four minutes four for a command minute to register. Right, the right. light has to travel that far. Huh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that today. But the book does a way better job of making that. Uh, that idea more like profound and yeah, a little bit more. It uses it in a very interesting story element, which is yeah. cool. And he uses humor too to to kind of to right. the, in that in that part where the 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 guy goes out to disable the missile. There's a little bit of throws in quite a bit of humor on like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just how that whole thing plays out. It's, right. I can't remember what, but it was just it was just funny. I just remember it being just funny. Also, quick side note: I appreciated yeah. that the main crew captain was Australian. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> How was his accent? I in, in the, the audio book. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Okay, okay. You got a good Aussie accent. Okay, I appreciate it. That's good. That's. I can't remember. Did was there only one reader or was there a crew of readers? No, it was one reader. He it does a good job. Okay, I really yeah. liked him. If you do the, I don't know which version it is, but I just did Audible. Yeah, yeah. If you just do the Audible version, yeah, the guy's really good. Yeah. He has a good solid like sci-fi voice. Yeah, he does. The, the intro, <laughs> he does a really good intro to the book too. Yeah. I liked it. He did a great. Oh, I love. Yeah, yeah. I love, the audiobook's a great way to go through that book. Although the audiobook's a little bit dangerous if you listen to it for too long, because I found myself even on the second time through, like I would kind of get lost in the description because a huge part of the book is describing, like at least the middle of the book, a huge part of it's describing what you see and how right. it goes. And if you listen to it for four hours straight, it just kind of <laughs> it starts to go over your head. Yeah, you no, th- yeah, you gotta do it in like twenty minute, thirty minute spurts. Otherwise, yeah, yeah that ass gets too overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One part, I, I don't know how much I have on this part, but one part that I really loved was when they get into Rama at the first, for the first time, it's dark. Like there's nothing in there. Like it, it doesn't, you can't see right. much. Like it's just a big black cylinder like there's nothing inside there's no light there's no there's nothing to tell you that there's anything inside they have a spotlight that they put at the axis on that uh, on, on the platform cylinder. near the axis to to shine down to show the explorers where they're going and they explore with just like a spotlight for a while right where the explorers will wander around this place and they have i don't know how they made the spotlight but it's a big spotlight <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it just shines like tons of light down on the place and they explore for quite a while like that but on on one of the times, they notice they notice atmospheric changes inside the cylinder because they realize oh it's getting it's going towards the sun and the sun's heating up the outside and slowly that's heating the inside thick enough that it's taking some time but it's starting to heat the inside right. and the contained environment that this is is big enough that it starts to experience some environmental changes right. some wind and some. One one of the, that's I think that's why they had to get out. They, right. They start. They realize they have to get out because there's going to be basically a hurricane. Right. In in, in the cylinder inside Rama. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't want to be there when there's a hurricane. So they like they start climbing out. They start getting out. So anyway, I just thought it was so fun that there was all this like I don't know. I just it's just so fun. Like there's just all this atmospheric yeah. changes. You're like, what? Why do we have to deal with this? Like this is kind of it's fun to think what that contained environment would cause. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he did a good job of thinking of a lot of things that would mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they like have to they have to jump out and they. They jump back in later, and it's and it had like now it's like a nice temperature. Like you can go wander around without your without your spacesuit on, and like oxygen's coming up, and you're like, this is really weird. Like, right? <laughs> it starts to get really strange because just stuff starts happening. And there's another part that I really liked, where that that kind of that discovery element really really I really like it because they're they're climbing the ladder. There's a ladder that turns into a staircase to get in and out. Mm-hmm. at the airlocks and so they're climbing the ladder to get out and the way he goes about describing what happens is so cool they're climbing out and all of a sudden like it's like they can't see and something's gone terribly wrong and you're like oh, what's happening the lights turned on they turn on there's these huge lights on the inside of rama that that turn on like these big daylight lights that just turn on but the way he goes about describing that from the astronaut's perspective right. is so fun because they're like they're clinging to the side of this vessel in like very low gravity. And all of a sudden they can't see. And when they can see again, like they start their eyes start to adjust and stuff and they start looking around. It's no longer this big black cylinder. You can see everything in the thirty right. mile stretch of of stuff. And it's just like <gasps> 
and they have to do that whole they go through this whole reorientation in their heads and right he he does a good job of explaining like all the like emotions and mental things that happen as when that sudden moment occurs yeah. and now this huge cylinder is now something you can see entirely because of these huge floodlights that yeah. they have yeah so, <laughs> so cool i did like that part too man the aliens though that you run into that was pretty weird synopsis here continuing <laughs> the aliens <laughs> This is this is another part I liked, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize I liked it until a quote later in the book. But, okay. Um, so they're exploring the cylinder, and basically they realize that one of the problems is they can't get over that C that's in the center that mm-hmm. we were talking about because of the huge wall that they have to have so that the vessel can accelerate. Right. So it's like this you know, 150-foot wall or whatever it is that they just can't get over. So they send a guy to the other side of the vessel. Mm-hmm past the sea they send him on this kind of little like almost a little like spaceship kind of through the axis so he doesn't experience any gravity and they send him kind of straight down the axis through the cylinder so that he can land on the other side and he explores yeah and so he sees some things that are happening on over there and he runs into the first encounter with so-called life Mm -hmm. of of rama Mm -hmm. but it's not sure if it's a life form or a robot but they run into these basically these like three-legged spider-looking things. Yeah. And they're not threatening still, but they're really good at just like grabbing stuff and collecting it and like taking it into this cave and this yeah. pit that he can't really go explore. Describes them like – he describes them like crabs. They use the word crab mm, a lot yeah. to describe what it is. And it just like – yeah, it just collects stuff and like, oh, this this is material. We're going to throw this into this hole. And you're like, hmm, weird. And, and this is a part of the book that at first I was like really not enjoying because yeah. it didn't, it, again, it didn't explain a lot of the things mm. that were going on, which is part of the book, right? Part yeah. of the point. Yeah. It's like, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? But one of the lines I love in the book, it, this isn't the exact wording, obviously. Yeah. But one of the people says, oh, so the Romans themselves have three legs. And the guy's like, well, how do you know that? He says, well, these robots they're making have three legs and they make the robots after their own image and i was like wow that's like super profound like <laughs> that's exactly what we do when we make robots and structures we do symmetric two-way objects because mm-hmm. that's the symmetry we like because we're symmetric two ways mm-hmm. but if you were a three-way symmetrical person you would design things in a three-way symmetrical manner because that's what you're used to uh-huh. and that was super cool because there's a lot of things in the book and in the structure of rama yeah. That is three-way symmetrical. Mm-hmm. The ship itself has three floodlights going down the cylinder mm-hmm. to light up the three parts of Rama. So there's like yeah. all these three-way symmetry yeah. going on. And one of the people realizes the Ramans must be three-legged. Three-legged beings, yeah. yeah. So it was really cool. Like Once I heard that, then yeah. the rest of the previous part of the book, I was like, oh, that's <laughs> that's cool. Like, like yeah. I would never have deduced that myself, but it's <laughs> yeah. cool that – all these things we've been seeing leads to this understanding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the, at the end, there's a little part where they confirm that we'll get to that maybe a little bit later. I don't know. Maybe no. <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh man. That part was, yeah. Oh, that part <laughs> makes me so, uh, but going back to the guy who flies across the axis, right? Another one of my favorite, like I love, I, I don't know what it is, but I just, I just love the parts where the people don't know what's going on. And, like, weird things are happening. They're trying to describe what's happening. Right. Like, the guy flies across, right? And he goes to the, at the very end. So, <laughs> on the one side, it's kind of shaped like a pill, like a capsule. 
on the mm-hmm. on the top of the ship, on the front of the ship basically, but in the back where they where the propulsion system is, they don't mm-hmm. tell us what the propulsion system is because they don't know because there's no need to to explain that. <laughs> anyway, at the back, instead of instead of a capsule shape, there's there's these spikes. There's like they're like spires, towers, spikes that go up and. The craziest thing is the guy gets back there. The, one of the things that I love is that, like, is, is the places where the astronauts are when things are happening. Right. Like when the lights turn on, they're on the ladder, and then there's like there's a point where the rotation of the object changes. And surprise, guess where they are? They're in the sea, which causes a multitude of problems. Causes tidal waves and yeah. such. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which Sorry, is interesting. Like, uh, <laughs> I love it. And and at this point, when the guy gets back to the to the spikes. All of a sudden, like all this stuff starts happening at the spikes, where it's like they're they're like giant electric towers, basically. I I thought of them as Tesla coils. Te- yeah, they're like giant <laughs> yeah. Tesla coils. Yeah, they find yeah. out. <laughs> Perfect. The and and those that's that's kind of that's a physical that's a manifestation of the space drive. I don't know if that actually is the space drive or what it is. Right. But when he gets back there and the electricity starts turning on on those things, the way he experiences it, just so cool. The way it's described. Because he just he can't figure out what's going on, and it's like I can't figure out what's going on because he can't figure out what's going on. But he describes the things and that he, he realizes, feels. like his hair is sticking up on end because there's a high yeah. amount of electric charge. Yeah, and then he starts looking around. He, he he figures it out step by step, right, right. And another cool thing is that he like he associates the experience to things he has felt on Earth before, mm-hmm. yeah. and like he's like, oh, this happened when I was on Earth because such and such was happening, and then he realizes that's what's causing. Right, the electricity buildup is occurring, and those types of things. Yeah, there's, there's, I wish I remembered all of them. There's yes. a lot of cool things going on right there. Right, it's like such an it's such a human like a natural way for us to like that's how we experience things. That's how I, at least I feel like that happens to me. Like you just you think about past experiences, and that helps you figure out what's going on right now. I love it. It's <laughs> such a good book. And and then electricity goes off, and 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 that's when he crashes. He and, crashes on that side. They have to go like rescue him. Oh that, God, was a, was that was really another good part good, that was good too because he goes to that 150 foot wall. Right. They can meet him at the sea, but they can't get up to the 150 foot wall because he's on the other side of it. Right. So they just have him jump. And on Earth, <laughs> if you jump from 150 feet, you're dead. You die. But <laughs> you're dead. But because he's not experiencing gravity as much near the top, mm-hmm. and like it slowly builds up towards the bottom, like he can just jump and he's fine. I just really like that description as well of yeah. how the gravity would change as he falls from this 150 foot wall and yeah, other yeah. things. It was cool. I, I, I agree. <laughs> and the, and the, when he, he falls in, so there's like the ocean, right? That's just water. Right. Mm-hmm. But then like the more they explore it, the, there's like microorganisms and stuff in there. They start finding all this stuff in the water. Right. And then of course the doctor, I wouldn't have thought of this, but the doctor starts realizing, Oh, well, if you're going to be falling into the water, like don't, get any of that in your mouth like don't right. get any of that in your eyes or in your nose because if you do we don't know what will happen like we don't know what this stuff is in this in this in this ocean like we don't know what these organisms are we don't know what they do we can't expose you to these things or else you might just up and die on us right. like, you might just keel over right then so he has to be like really careful to as he falls into the water to plug his nose and hold his eyes shut and keep his mouth shut and it's it's so cool it's yeah. oh, i love i love I love this book. It's such a good book. I got two more points. Okay, please. So towards the end, they realize that, or well, they realize this from the beginning, but they only have a certain amount of time they can stay on Rama Mm -hmm. because eventually it's going to slingshot around from the Earth or from the sun's gravity 
and kind of exit back out of the solar system, assuming yeah. it stays on its course. Yep. And so they have to leave Rama by some point before it gets too close to the sun, first of all, and before it starts its slingshot heading the other direction. Yeah. And so towards the end, they realize that they don't have as much time as they want or what could ever have right yeah ever want you know yeah. <laughs> yeah and so they have to start breaking into the ramen buildings because they're really these like just giant metallic boxes almost yeah that you can't really there's no door or anything like right. that and so they're trying to figure out what's inside and so they were they're starting out by trying and not using any destructive force but towards the end they decide to use a couple of destructive forces to get inside right. the metal boxes and figure out what's inside right because there's there's several cities full of these things that are just we don't know what they are but they're here and we need right. to figure out what's inside so they use some explosives or i don't remember if explosives or some torch i don't know, I don't know. I, some laser i can't remember they get inside <laughs> and, <laughs> and they find um these huge columns mm -hmm. that are basically storing what i would describe in modern terms like digital blueprints mm -hmm. of everything that the ramans would ever need to create. Yep. It's almost like this digital library yeah. of Raman artifacts. Yeah. And that's where they find out that the Ramans are three legged because they find a Raman like spacesuit. Yeah. And it's got three legs in it. That's the coolest part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, oh. and so they find this huge library of like just, you know, digital, digital artifacts, digital blueprints. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that the Ramans can like generate things. Mm hmm. And just like construct them as needed from this digital library. Right. They they go through and figure out that, that they deduce that a lot of the a lot of the stuff they see, a lot of the little the little creatures that they they've experienced, it's 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 basically like a big factory in a lot of ways that that will that will build things on an accelerated scale on an accelerated time timeline to be able to produce. Whatever they need, really. They need. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Organically, in an, in, an, in an organic kind of way. Yeah. And so it, it still doesn't describe, and that was the hardest part, it still doesn't describe the ramens. Like, you yeah. never see a ramen. Nope. And then they, they have to leave. Mm -hmm. And so then it's the whole thing. Is it going to slow down? Is it going to enter the Earth's or, or the Mercury's orbit? Like, what's it going to do? And when they leave, they find out that Rama is sucking energy from the sun, mm -hmm. then it just slingshots even faster out of the solar system, yep. taking the energy from the sun that it needed, and it's just on its merry way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and so it can be a frustrating book at the end, but I love the point of it at the end. Mm -hmm. First of all, the point that they couldn't understand everything about the Ramans, especially in that finite amount of time, and that there's just going to be things they don't know. I just love that from like a science perspective. Yeah. Because we we like to talk about things in science and in history and all these subjects as like concrete. Like, oh, this is for sure how it happens. Yeah. But we can't know certain things about the past. Mm -hmm. And we can't really know certain things about even our present physical world. Like if you think about quantum mechanics, there's so many weird things going on down there <laughs> that are so hard to describe. So I love that from this, like just like as a scientist, that whole idea that. Yeah, here, here's what you know. Like, good job collecting all this information. <laughs> did what Try you and did. figure it out. Like, but there's just going to be things you're not going to be able to know. Yeah. Like, there's a part where he goes and, like, grabs a flower from this random, like, cage. Yeah. yeah. Never explained. Never, oh, yeah, they never, never <laughs> described. But, like, they have this random ramen flower mm -hmm. that was in this, like, cage area. Mm -hmm. And they don't know why. 
Mm-hmm. And now, as a scientist, you would be left to deduce. Yeah. And that's all you can do <laughs> with the information you have. So I love that part personally as a scientist. But as I like, read the book, I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's over. <laughs> no. It's so sad. I. I love that you pulled that from the ending of the book. Like I, I never, I never considered. I love talking about this with you because you know this so much that I never, I never even thought of. But I, I, I don't know. I, I had this like, like the captain describes like some, some, the, a lot of the feelings that he's having as they're leaving, right? And they, they talk about it as they're leaving, and as they see, you know, the lights start to turn off, and, and you know, the world kind of changes back things like all the little creatures they see they 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 all jump into the ocean and just like a lot of weird stuff happens and then it's like we have to go we have to get out of here now because there's no more time like we're we we won't survive if we don't leave now oh and then left it just oh it just i felt this just deep sadness i think i think similar to what the captain was feeling but it's just like i just had this like deep sense of just regret and loss like ah right I'm never going to know. I'm never going to know what happened with this place. I'm never going to know anything about it. I'm never going to get to experience it again. It's gone. Right. And it made me so sad. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the other part I loved along mm-hmm. the same lines mm-hmm. is the the whole message of the book. Or not the whole message of the book, but <laughs> kind of that last message he gives at the end mm-hmm. is that we always like to think of aliens as like this threatening form that if they ever find our universe, their goal is to like destroy us. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. like that's how it's always just displayed in sci-fi and in just movies. Cause it's an exciting thing to say. Yeah. But yeah. the whole point of this book is like, if the Ramans even knew we were here, they were, they were indifferent to us. Yeah. They were indifferent to our presence. Yeah. They had no idea. Well, or if they did, they just didn't care. That's like, true. Yeah. I, I love that thought that they were like so advanced that, our primitive world was even just like, yeah, like we want just, <laughs> there's some weird life form over on earth and over there, but right. they shouldn't be a problem. We'll just go right past them. You know, like uh, we'll just take a, a quick stop to get some energy and get out of here. Yeah. So that was, that was a really cool thought. Cause like yeah. you grow up and that's just how it's always described with uh, aliens, evil, destroy the world like right right super intelligent like if they find us we're dead you know right right and so just like a different perspective is just kind of interesting yeah yeah if they were there like yeah they probably wouldn't care (laughs) yeah (laughs) just didn't care if they're if they're spacefaring to the point where they can just come and show up at at our at our solar system it's like "Eh, probably just won't care (laughs) yeah for our 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 one planet or our seven planet spacefaring civilization like it's just not a big enough deal right not that i have like a particular opinion about like aliens <laughs> but, no no none of this reflect right <laughs> but like just the idea it was, it's fun to have a different perspective you mm-hmm, know so mm-hmm. definitely definitely <sighs> yeah you're not gonna see me protesting anti-alien <laughs> nonsense uh, opinions in the yeah, 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 yeah we're too mean to aliens yeah <laughs> <laughs> aliens uh, are friends not foes yeah 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 oh this is a book i just i just love this book i just there's so much about it that I, I, I just absolutely love it. Just it, it captures that, it captures the discovery of of something new and something, something unique and special that that in a lot of ways you can't do. I've only experienced this a couple other places that I really feel like I've experienced this kind of discovery. Right. A lot of movies. Okay. 
Now this is a little off topic. I know, I know we're a little off topic, but a lot of movies and a lot of like video games and stuff, they, they move sh- too fast. Yeah, they, they move too fast. On. They show too much. And there's just not enough time for me to absorb and to, to learn and to experience. And that's one thing that this book gave me was a was a was a chance to to experience a discovery because we don't get a lot of that. Like we can see a lot of the world and a lot of the world is I don't know. It's it's we've seen a lot of it. We have documentaries like Planet Earth and and, right. and there's just not a lot to explore anymore. Not a lot of stuff to see for the first time ever. Right. And this is one one instance where you get to go with an explorer to somewhere that's never been seen, that that never will get to be seen again. You asked me once if this would make a good movie, or you told me to think about that. Yeah, this would make an awful movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Just exactly for that point, mm-hmm. you, you there's no way you could pace a movie well enough, right, to match the sense of discovery that makes Rendezvous with Rama what it is, right. So to answer your question, yeah, let's never make this a movie. Never. This is that'd be a terrible <laughs> idea. I know. The first time I finished the book, I really wanted to like. I wanted to see. I wanted a movie. I, I wanted to see it. I wanted a visual experience with this book. And I agree. I, the more I've thought about it, the more I realized it's a terrible idea. Like even <laughs> if it was, even if it was done perfectly to the way that I, I love it and that I experience it, it's impossible. The experience that you have with the book is unique to you. It's right. unique to to the way you see it in your head. There's no way, no amount of expl- explaining can can ever put that in a way that would be meaningful. And right. I agree. There's no way, there's no way they could make a movie. And uh, and if they got their hands on the freaking trailers, they'd botch it in the first five minutes. Because <laughs> guess what? <laughs> Scenes there would be in the in the trailers. The lights would be turning on the trailers and. And the electricity would be shooting off in the trailers. And all the stuff that happens in the book would all be in the trailer. And I just want to throw stuff at the TV when I see trailers sometimes. That's a good point. I don't know if you can make a trailer. I <laughs> you could just, you'd just be like the words, rendezvous with Rama. <laughs> it's good. We promise. Come it's see good. it. <laughs> That's all you could do. Like You, you couldn't make – because right, right. any part of the trailer would be a spoiler. Right, right. There's, there's no way you could show any part of it. Right. I think I think you could you could build a trail enough trailer from from the very beginning. Like you could right. lay out the the United You just United show Planets. the first 5 minutes of the movie as the trailer. As the trailer, <laughs> right. You could lay out the United Planets and and this complex meteor tracking system that they designed and then and then and you just end on what's that signal we're getting, and then you right. have to cut it. <laughs> right, right. Like, like you get like a, a snapshot image of this like little cylinder on a screen, you know, and it's like, the heck's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, ba boom, <laughs> rendezvous with Rama. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, that's all you could do. And, <laughs> that's really, that's literally all you could do. Like everything else would be right. a spoiler. And, and for me, like for for somebody who's read the book, they'd be like. <laughs> get so excited i'd be so excited i start shaking and then like most everyone else would be like what's it about i'd be like no you can't you, you, i can't tell you and they'll be like what <laughs> lame i'm not gonna go see that and you're like no, no. <sighs> it, it just it'll never yeah. and then and then whatever they do for visuals will never never live up to what you see in your head it'll never right. live up to the way you experienced it and so right it's so good. It's so good. If you, if you listen to this in spite of our warning to not listen unless you've read it, and now you're saying, well, I want to read that book, still go read it. Yes. 
still worth it. Yes. Any other parts of the book you want to bring up? No. I mean, I could talk about it forever, but no, <laughs> no. I could do like a page-by-page like study session on the book because <laughs> I love it so much. Um, but no, I think I have to buy myself a physical copy. I really want this book for me forever because <laughs> I really love it. I just – it's probably – it might rank as one of my all-time favorite books. Definitely does for me, but that's because I don't read that much. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, this is like the first fiction book I've read in like ten years. So, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. If you're if you're putting in the fiction genre, it's definitely near oh. the top. <laughs> it's number one out of three. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, since this is save the world, yeah, we got one last question. Okay, would the world be a better place if everyone read? Rendezvous with Rama. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> what? I can't. I, I, I think so. I certainly think so. I think, I, think, I think it captures something that this world has lost. And I, I do have a couple things that capture that as well. Some, some video games have been able to capture that for me. And some books have been able to capture that for me. But nothing like Rendezvous with Rama. Nothing captures the discovery and that's something that we 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 lack in this in this world of 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 videos and and pictures and and media and transportation and instant lookup of information yes yeah yes. <laughs> yeah exactly i agree i would say if there's any like i mean it's just a fun read but if there's any like yeah. actual benefit to society and to people for reading it i think it is that taking the time to go through that process of mm-hmm. discovery that it's harder to get nowadays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, and it's, it's not just like, Oh, cause books are slow cause you have to read them. And so that naturally <laughs> happens. It's like, no rendezvous with Rama is specifically designed for that. Yeah. Yeah. More than any other book I've ever seen. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Same. And, and so people, <laughs> so save the world. Everyone go read the book. Go, read, go <laughs> get the book. It's worth whatever money you pay for it. It's worth it. It's, how much is it? Fifteen bucks. If you're gonna spend fifteen bucks on it, it's well worth a fifteen dollar meal. Okay, <laughs> it'll get way more enjoyment out of it, and you'll love it forever. Go read the book. <laughs> the cylindrical sea is really scary. <laughs>